This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. Good morning. This is Gail Ellis, Dean of Admissions at Suffolk University Law School. Intellectual property is among Suffolk University Law School's five academic concentrations. Within our IP concentration, Suffolk offers a patent law specialization. In this podcast, adjunct faculty member Kirk Teska, a patent lawyer, talks about two important cases, KSR and Bilski. To learn more about our IP concentration, please visit our website, www.law.suffolk.edu backslash academic backslash IP. Good morning. My name is Kirk Kaska. I'm an adjunct professor at Suffolk University Law School and have been for about the last 10 years or so. I teach students how to draft patent applications and then teach others on software and intellectual property law. I run my own firm. I am Diorio Tetkin Coleman and practice patent law for, well, it's coming up on 20 years now. By way of a quick background, KSR, I think it's probably everybody involved in the patent world knows, raised the bar significantly for what constitutes patentable subject matter and specifically what is and what isn't obvious. An invention is deemed obvious by the patent office or the court that's not patentable. It passes the obvious as far and is rendered unobvious in light of prior art or whatever came before the invention, then there's at least a chance of patenting the invention. That's KSR. Bilski, the court of appeals level, in Ray Bilski, the business method were, were not patentable, or at least the business method cited in Mr. Bilski's patent application wasn't patentable. And they came up with this test called the machine or transformation test. The invention, as recited in the patent claims, does not relate on some kind of a machine or if it doesn't transform matter. The Bilski decision, which will be decided by the Supreme Court sometime this coming spring, the decision surrounds, you know, to what extent, if any, are so-called business methods patentable. At the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit, the Bilski patent claims were rendered not patentable because they did indeed involve business method type recitation. And the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit came out with what they call this machine or transformation test and stated that if the claimed subject matter in the patent application doesn't in some way relate to a machine or transform matter from one state to another, then it's not patentable. So everybody's talking about these two Supreme Court cases and have been talking for some time, and I've made a list of sort of like David Letterman, the top 10 things patent practitioners are talking about with respect to both this KSR and Bilski case. Number one is there's a real renewed emphasis on problem solution type patent drafting and prosecution. In light of especially probably KSR, it's not enough anymore to simply rely on the deltas between what is stated in a patent for a given invention and uh, contrast them with the prior art, so the deltas between the invention and the prior art. And especially if your inventor alone, for example, discovered a problem associated with the prior art or the state of the art, that that can be noted in the application and the older cases can be used to support a finding of non-obviousness. So there's a real renewed emphasis on drafting and prosecuting patent applications with this sort of problem-solution type emphasis. There's a problem or at least this set of problems associated with the state of the art. We've overcome those problems via this invention and here's how, then recite the solution. Second, It's a hard and cold fact that the Patent and Trademark Office allowance rate is way down. That's likely a function of both KSR and Bilski. Patent Office examiners, I think their general feeling is that they were sort of hamstrung before on what they could find obvious. KSR has helped them out. That being said, you need to sell the invention, like I was talking about on topic number one, during both prosecution and even include the inventor in the process. There was an opportunity to have examiner interviews and uh, declarations by the inventors. Those sort of strategies, I think, are being used in light of both KSR and Bilski and the fact that the PTO, Patent and Trademark Office, allowance rate you know, has, has really gone down in the last few years. Third, although most people prosecuting or litigating a patent on behalf of a client have serious qualms with KSR and it, it does, in fact, provide some help, too. 
if you carefully read the decision, there's some ammunition in there that can be used to either support an already issued patent or help a client achieve patent protection in the first instance. Things like the failure of others to arrive at the inventor's invention, others previously thinking, you know, this simply wouldn't work or couldn't be done, are all good fodder for overcoming an obviousness-type rejection when the examiner hits you with KSR and subjectively states that, in the examiner's opinion, the invention is obvious and therefore not patentable. Number four surrounds the question, you know, is KSR really affecting anything at the jury trial level? So a plaintiff armed with a patent sues a defendant for patent infringement. The general thinking is no. At that level, and it's kind of a high level in the minds of the attorney, of the jury at least, KSR probably doesn't help or hurt either side. I think the jury's basic thinking is the patent and trademark office granted this patent and now these attorneys are talking about something to do with obvious in some Supreme Court opinion. And at that kind of a high level, I don't think the jury has, or juries are being affected at the, at the district, federal district court trial level with respect to patents. Fifth, it is in fact probably now easier, the thinking is, to re-examine a given patent in light of KSR and maybe in light of Bilski once the Supreme Court decision comes out, especially if you're faced with a patent and, and represent a client charged with patent infringement and you look back through, it's a patent application that was prosecuted prior to KSR, and in there is a lot of emphasis on teaching suggestion or motivation, which the Supreme Court stated in KSR is not supposed to be the only test used in determining whether a given invention is patentable and the question of whether or not it's obvious. So people are kind of taking a second look at patents in light of KSR. Six, the general feeling is, although you can't make any hard and fast prediction about what the Supreme Court's going to do, the general feeling is that Bilski probably is going to apply to patents for stuff in addition to business method patents. The two sort of crystal clear examples thrown out are software, or what we call software per se, lines of programming carrying out some function existing in a program. Those kind of patents could be problematic in light of Bilski. And then the same with the diagnosis type line of medical method patents. The general characterization and a claim for such a thing is if X is present in a patient's blood, that's indicative of disease Y. And there's a lot of claims out there and a lot of issued patents and a lot of pending applications with those types of claims in them. And the worry is that Bilski could have an impact on those types of patent claims as well. The advice there is for any claim you write, you should always check this machine or transformation and apply that test to any kind of a claim you write. And you can read the Patent and Trademark Office guidelines where they talk about Bilski and that test. There's even some thinking that Bilski might end up applying to non-method claims. The Bilski facts are business method type claim format. Bilski could have an effect on other types of apparatus and system type claims as well. Seventh, everybody wants to predict what the Supreme Court's going to do with Bilski. And although that's probably impossible and foolhardy, the consensus seems to be probably those claims are invalid. The Supreme Court's going to hold those particular business method patent claims invalid under 35 U.S.C. Section 101. But they're probably not going to use the exact same test that the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit used. Like in KSR, the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit said this teaching suggestion and motivation test is the test, and the Supreme Court said it's one test, but it's not the only test. The Bilski Supreme Court may hold that, similar fashion, this machine or transformation is a nice test, but again, it's not the only test, and the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit was wrong to require that to be the only or even the main test. Number eight is sort of more of a practical topic. What do you do if you've got a Section 101 Bilski issue right now in court? You know, do you ask for a stay? And is it possible to ask for a stay pending the Supreme Court's delivering its opinion on Bilski? The fact is there's cases which support both sides. There are a couple of district court cases which support the notion that the case should be stayed pending the Supreme Court's resolution of Bilski in the spring. And then there is an equal number, I think, of cases at the district court level stating that, no, we're not going to have a stay pending 
the Supreme Court decisions. There's authority on both sides. The thinking on not granting a stay at the district court, which says we control our docket. We don't wait for the Supreme Court to render an opinion. If things change in the future, that's just going to have to be the fact of the matter, and, and we're going to keep on with the litigation. All right, and number nine, I'm also more of a real-world type aspect to both KSR and Bilski. It looks like, from the talk I've heard anyway, is in the business where Bilski has had an effect. Investments are on hold pending Supreme Court deciding Bilski. In due diligence and in licensing effort, people are taking and keeping in mind both Bilski and KSR. Maybe a patent that prior to KSR had one value or prior to Bilski had one value could have a lower value now. People are talking about both those cases really having an effect in the real world in a couple of different aspects. Number 10, regardless of how Supreme Court holds in Bilski, you really don't want to look for legislative help. There have been cases in the past where the Supreme Court ruled one way, Congress came back and sort of corrected that or made a change to the statute to basically overturn a previous Supreme Court opinion. These days, Congress can't even handle really any kind of patent reform. They can't get it together. They can't get it done. It's too controversial, unlike perhaps in situations like in the past regardless of how the Supreme Court rules in Bilski, it's unlikely that that's not going to be the final word. I mean, that's going to be the legislative branch, Congress and the Senate are unlikely to make any change to the Supreme Court's ruling. They may want to, but the votes aren't going to be there and they can't get stuff out of committee. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.